All right, we are back in our third and final segment of hour number one, and we're going to do our obituary section, which is where we usually put our look back at people, well, whose passing should be noted. As we mentioned at the top of the hour, we saw this week the passing in the history of the 38th President of the United States, Gerald R. Ford of Michigan. Jerry Ford was unique in the history of the U.S. as being the only man to occupy both the vice presidency and the presidency without being elected to either office. Said uh, his numerous obituaries, rightly, that uh, Ford played an indispensable role in guiding the country's political life back to solid ground after Vice President Spiro Agnew, then President Richard Nixon, had both been forced from office after being exposed to having broken the laws of the land. Back in 1968, in a bit of a brilliant politics, Richard Nixon selected the Maryland governor, Spiro Agnew, as his number two man, uh, which many people uh, thought was a form of impeachment insurance. Agnew's record as uh, governor of Maryland was, let's just say, undistinguished, as was his entire career before that. He may have been, in the modern era, the least distinguished man to run on a presidential ticket uh, prior to the advent of the George W. Bush era. So although in 1972 and later in 1973 the Watergate affair was sort of a smoldering scandal in the background, nobody seriously thought about replacing Nixon as long as Agnew was going to be the man to replace him. After Spiro was caught taking bribes from Maryland highway contractors, despite the fact that he no longer was the governor of Maryland and was now the vice president, he got booted from office in October of 73. With Agnew gone, it came down to Richard Nixon to pick the man who would be the Veep, and he chose, well, actually his first choice was former Texas Governor John Conley, a protege of Nixon's predecessor, Lyndon Johnson. However, John Conley's reputation as an operator, a rather oily one at that, from the state of Texas, meant that he was not likely to survive the confirmation process in the Senate. Jerry Ford, to the contrary, would be a slam dunk. Ford had never actively sought the office of president, which, another th which is another thing that makes him rather unique in presidential history. So it was that in October of 1973, Jerry Ford replaced Spiro Agnew and in August of 1974 replaced Richard Nixon to become our 38th president. Jerry Ford was personally an honest man, although from this correspondent's perspective, uh, I remember Jerry Ford as the last surviving member of the Warren Commission, our nation's great whitewash, which was put together in the wake of the John F. Kennedy assassination with the express purpose of not running down all of the leads <laughs> that led away from Lee Harvey Oswald in all kinds of directions. Ford is given a lot of credit for healing the nation's wounds uh, in his uh, two and a half years in the Oval Office. Yours truly spent uh, 10 weeks living in Bethesda, Maryland, just on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., during our bicentennial year with uh, Gerald Ford in the White House. By today's standards, he was remarkably moderate in his political outlook, although it should be noted that his chief of staff, Richard Cheney, later went on to bigger and better things in the Republican Party, and Gerald Ford's Secretary of Defense was Donald Rumsfeld. His Secretary of State was Henry Kissinger, and he appointed a so-called outsider uh, during his uh, term of office to head the Central Intelligence Agency. That man's name was George Herbert Walker Bush. He also went on to some 
bigger and better things. So in an odd way, although Jerry Ford was a far cry from today's neocons, uh, the current Bush administration has some pretty deep roots back in uh, the Ford presidency. In spite of this correspondent's knowledge of Jerry Ford's complicity in the Warren Commission report cover-up, I wound up uh, working for his campaign in 1976 here in Davis. I didn't think too much of Jimmy Carter and his born-again Christianity, Southern Coalition, you know, the, re- the rise of the Confederacy. So I must say it's with great irony that I look back at uh, the last couple elections to say, well, there's been some sort of jujitsu flip leaving Jimmy Carter on the liberal side of things and the current Republican administration with its roots back in the Ford White House, uh, you know, running, running down to Dixie to put together a, a winning political coalition. Oh, and those Christian fundamentalists that uh, thought so highly of Carter, well, he didn't give them what they wanted, so they switched to the GOP, where they've been ever since. Back in the 70s, people like Trent Lott and Strom Thurmond would have been Democrats. In fact, Strom Thurmond was a Democrat. So it is uh, sort of uh, odd to contemplate how things turn out, and sort of makes you wonder, back in the 1976 election, how... uh, (laughs) how things did not go in the direction that uh, one might have thought they were going to. Said Ron Nesson, Jerry Ford's former press secretary, he was like the guy next door. The imperial presidency of Richard Nixon and Lyndon B. Johnson was passed, and this was like your next-door neighbor had become president. And I think that helped to restore trust and faith in the presidency. Gerald R. Ford, 1913 to 2006, America's longest living president. Dr. Frank Stanton also passed away this week at age 98. Frank Stanton was a broadcasting pioneer and CBS president for 26 years. Stanton started on his uh, path to CBS from Ohio State University where he was a psychologist whose studies had led him to devise a scientific method for measuring radio audiences and invent the forerunner of what A.C. Nielsen would one day later use to gather television ratings. During his long association with CBS founder William Paley, the psychologist helped build the company from a modest chain of radio affiliates into a communications empire whose centerpiece became the nation's preeminent TV network. Said 60 Minutes creator Don Hewitt, if broadcasting had a patron saint, it would be Frank Stanton. If CBS is the Tiffany Network, Frank Stanton deserves the lion's share of the credit. Frank Stanton made CBS News a priority. In 1971, he was subpoenaed by Congress to produce unaired footage from a controversial CBS News documentary about U.S. military deception about the Vietnam War. Stanton risked jail by refusing. A contempt of Congress motion failed but only narrowly. In fact, that saga of Dr. Frank Stanton standing up to the U.S. Congress uh, uh, and backing up his reporters' efforts as regarding that special on uh, William Westmoreland and the deceptions of Vietnam is something we need to return to, I think, in 2007. Uh, There's some lessons in that for the press of today. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to interview Frank Stanton when I was down at the Frank Stanton Studios visiting the people at Marketplace a couple of years back. I made some inquiries, and they said, well, he just wasn't able to do an interview. 
It's too bad. I, I pulled up some tapes of his with the Museum of Television and Radio down in Beverly Hills, and uh, he did have some interesting things to say there on tape. Anyway, we'll try and make a point to return to the subject of Frank Stanton uh, reporting and the First Amendment sometime next year. Our final obituary is that of James Brown. But you know what? We're out of time, so we're going to have to put that into our second hour. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM. Let's take a short break. Get up off of that thing. 